You're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash family. Well, we all have that friend who wants to dominate our time or the other type of friend who never initiates plans. And it's frustrating if you don't have the right expectations, if you don't have the right boundaries in place. Today, we're going to talk about four common dynamics that happen in friendships and how a lack of proper boundaries can lead to hurt and frustration. Now, Tracy, in our boundary series, the very first episode of our boundary series online, we talked about these, some of these, you know, kind of personality types. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but we talked about compliant people. We talked about controlling people, two types of controlling people, aggressive and manipulative. And and then today we're going to sort of revisit some of those things, but we're going to be applying it to friendships. And I think we should also, since this is the family podcast, we should also apply it, help parents, help their kids apply it to kids' friendships as well. So we have a lot to cover today. Yeah, I think this can be a very practical topic, not only as adults to just kind of be thinking about our own friendships or the friendships that are frustrating to us and how maybe a lack of boundaries um, is causing some of that hurt and frustration. And then just to what are we modeling for our kids and how do we teach our kids like what it means to be a good friend? So, you know, maybe we should start by acknowledging I've been confessing this all throughout this series that I was never a very discerning person. I was never kind of a boundary person. And you are really good at boundaries. You've always been discerning and really helpful with boundaries. So maybe we should even just start by acknowledging some of you listening might say, these are all such new terms for me. And I've never even thought about it like this. And I feel like I'm being judgmental if I'm putting mm-hmm. labels on people. Like, why can't I just, why can't I just be friends with whomever and not overanalyze this stuff? Why can't I just let my kids be friends with whomever and not overanalyze these things? I don't know, Tracy, what would you say to the person who's, as soon as they're listening to some of this, they're going to get this feeling like, I feel like you're being really judgmental and overanalyzing this. Yeah, I think it's, I guess our starting point needs to be, I mean, we're all flawed people. So even if I find myself more of a controlling personality, that doesn't mean every part of me is bad or I'm a terrible friend. What, what this whole series has been about is really kind of learning for yourself that internal angst that you have felt in relationship to in-laws or your spouse or friends, coworkers, and what you can do to change some of that angst by having boundaries or understanding what's safe for me, what's comfortable for me, what's my responsibility, what's not my responsibility. And then those boundaries are, are really an act of kindness or should be done from a heart of love of saying to the other person, like, Hey, this, maybe your boundary with them is going to teach them and create opportunity for them to have some awareness of like, Oh, yeah, I guess I never realized that about myself. But as you're kind of saying no to me or putting up a boundary, it's kind of making me realize maybe I'm a little too opinionated sometimes. Maybe I am a little controlling. So I don't want us to look at this as we're labeling people and we're just trying to 
keep everyone out. The point of boundaries is for your own sanity and health to understand where you begin and where someone else ends. Okay, so let's look at four common dynamics that happen in friendships. Again, if you're listening to this for your own friendships, think about which one of these four dynamics best describes your friendship. Maybe maybe think about a friendship that you're struggling in right now. You don't, you're not even sure why you're struggling or you're frustrated with a friend. You're not even sure why. I think today's episode might give you some clarity. But also for the parents listening, we'll, we'll make sure to address kind of how to help your kids if you see that your kids are in a dynamic. Again, your kids probably don't have this language. I'm sure they don't. So some of this you can help your kids to understand and really um, add value to your kids' lives around this conversation as well. So Tracy, the first dynamic is called compliant plus compliant. So this is the sort of the whatever you want dynamic, right? (laughs) The compliant personality is a person is just like, whatever, it's kind of a people pleaser. And so when two compliant people come together, what can happen as a result of that? Well, and this is a dynamic that I don't have because I wouldn't consider myself, I mean, I'm a people pleaser, but I have opinions and I'm not afraid to share them. So this dynamic um, is a little bit harder for me, but the two, it's two compliant people that are just like, whatever you want. I don't want to offend or I don't want to seem pushy or opinionated. So I just say whatever the other person wants. And I just remember this, even the dynamic with our daughter, like early on, Kenzie was, she didn't express opinions. So we'd be like, where do you want to go to dinner? What do you want to do for lunch? And she would always be like, I don't know, whatever you want, whatever you want to do. And I just remember being like, no, it's okay for you to have an opinion or a thought. It's like, don't be afraid to express that. So maybe in your adult relationships, you know, the way I would peel the onion on that a little bit is, are you really compliant or do you feel like if you expressed your opinion to somebody, they might view you in a way that you don't want them to view? So you're a little bit inauthentic in your compliance because you just don't want to be pegged a certain way. Now, some people are just genuinely don't have opinions on things like where you're going to meet for dinner. But I think the question in these, in this series and just about boundaries is really, why are you compliant and are you authentic in your compliance? And should you always just do it the way everybody else wants you to do it? Or should you assert yourself a little bit more? And again, we're, we're talking here a dynamic where both people are compliant. It, you know, at, at first glance, this seems like the perfect scenario because I think of compliant as the most innocent of all these temperaments or whatever, boundary temperaments or whatever the word is for this. I think of Oh, compliant, compliant. That's a perfect friendship because they're both compliant. Nobody's trying to be controlling. Nobody's trying to like um, be manipulative or aggressive with the other person. But what can happen with a compliant, compliant friendship is there's no authenticity because neither person's being honest. Neither person is making a decision. Neither person wants to express their true feelings or hurt the other person with what they say. So both of them are saying yes to plans they don't want to do. Both end up feeling really in the end, what you can do is you can end up feeling resentful of the other, but they're both compliant. And it's maybe this first dynamic is the hardest one to work through because you could go longer in this dynamic because you're both just genuinely, gen, genuinely good people, people pleasing people, but it's not helpful 
or healthy in the long term for the relationship. Yeah. And I think for a compliant, compliant dynamic, you know, ask yourself, do I want to be at this concert? (laughs) Am I a concert person? Why do I keep ending up in these social situations doing things that I don't really want to do? Well, maybe it's because you've been afraid to draw a boundary and say, you know what, that's not really my cup of tea, but you, you've been afraid to say it because you think your friend who's also maybe thinking, I don't want to be here either, but they seemed excited about it. You're both, you're both saying yes to things you don't really want to say yes to, or you're not saying no to the things that you really want to say no to because you're both just trying to please the other person. And so a, a good challenge, a good thing for a compliant, compliant dynamic might be challenge yourself to not just say yes or no right away <laughs> and give yourself like a 24 hour buffer to really think like, do I really want to do that? Is that how I want to spend my time? Is that how I want to spend my money? Is it okay that maybe I'm going to say that and the other person might be disappointed with that? That's okay. It's that's an appropriate boundary to, to not say yes to something that you don't really want to do. That's all what part of what these boundaries are about. It isn't your responsibility to be thinking only about the other person and making them happy at your own expense. It's okay to say that's not really in my budget. That's not really how I want to spend my time. But you would need to kind of challenge both compliance to give room for the other person to be like, oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) I've been afraid to say no to this too, or I didn't want to say yes to this either. And then it just kind of opens up a new forum in your friendship to be a little bit more authentic. And it's okay to say no. Okay, so for the adults listening to this saying, oh my gosh, this is totally descriptive of a relationship I have with this person over here. So here's the thing, you, you know, you've got some language around it now. So maybe what you can do is go to them, maybe even just share this episode with them. Say, hey, listen to this, because I feel like we're the first thing. And, and then I think you can come to that friend and say, I think we have a compliant, compliant relationship here. So let's make a commitment to each other that we're going to be a little bit more um, clear with what we want because we're both kind and of honest. Yeah, more yeah. clear, more honest. Like let's, let's work on this. Cause I, again, I think then in that relationship and maybe even some couples, maybe, maybe the compliant, the one cu- couple a is a compliant couple, couple B is a compliant couple. And so now your couple's relationship is not kind of getting to the next level because nobody's really being honest. So put, put this conversation on the table with that friendship and say, Hey, let's, Let's make a commitment to be more honest, to be more authentic. We're not going to hurt each other's feelings. Let's give each other permission to do this. So that that's what the adults can do. But Tracy, maybe before we move on to the next dynamic, what would you say to parents who are listening to this saying, ah, I think this is what my 12-year-old, my 12-year-old is compliant and my 12-year-old has a friend who's also compliant. So how can a parent help their 12-year-old have this conversation? Yeah. I mean, again, I think it just comes down to have train your kids to be able to be like, well, is that what you want to do? Is that where you want to go for your sleepover? Is that the game you want to be playing? Like, it's okay for you to say, Hey, I don't really like this game. Are you having fun playing this game? Maybe we should try something different. It's really more training. I would say with a compliant personality, learning how it's okay to be assertive kindly, but it's okay to assert your opinion. It's okay for you to say, this isn't fun, or I don't really want to do this anymore. And training your 12 year old, your 13 year old, your eight year old to 
learn how to say nicely, this isn't really doing it for me. Okay, so that's the first dynamic. And really, it's the easiest, simplest dynamic. It's the compliant plus the compliant. Both people are saying, well, whatever, no big deal. And so then you grow resentful. Maybe you don't have a real authentic relationship. That one's kind of easy to get past. The next one, I think, is the hardest one. And I think this is the one that most people are going to say, oh, that describes this friendship I have with so-and-so. Or maybe even some of the people listening are going to realize that they're the problem in this next dynamic. Because this next dynamic is the compliant person plus a controlling, aggressive person. And so this is where the compliant person is just trying to keep the peace, but the aggressive person is going to be dominating, making all the decisions. And even though the compliant person is allowing the dynamic, for sure, there's going to be some resentment in in this relationship. So Tracy, talk us through, let's start with the adults in the room who are recognizing, I think that's the dynamic I have with a friend that I have. I love my friend, but my friend is really controlling and I'm realizing I'm very compliant and I do feel a little bit resentful. What would you say to that person? Well, yeah. I mean, this is what this whole thing about boundaries is about. Like some of this is, okay, your your friend has some issues in their personality and they're controlling and they're opinionated and they kind of bulldoze people. Okay, that's theirs to own. But in the friendship, as the compliant person that allows that and never says, you know what, I just feel a little bit like you bulldoze me, or I make a suggestion of something to do and you kind of shoot that down and it's always your way. It's always the restaurant you want to go to. It's always whatever it is that we do as couples or as friends or where we go on vacation. You're, it's always your choice. And when I bring a suggestion, it's always shot down. The compliant personality has a part to own in that. You can choose to say, you know, you can be honest. You can draw the boundary and say to your friend kindly, hey, you know what? I want to do it my way this time. I feel like the last five times we've done something, it's been what you've wanted to do. Here's what I want to do. Would you be willing to do that? And draw the boundary again in kindness This is what I'm saying, because sometimes in these dynamics, it would be easy for the compliant just to say, forget it. Your friend, your friendship is too hard for me. I'm just going to blow you off and not be your friend. Well, like you were asking earlier, is this just like our boundaries mean? Is this just about labeling people and being mean? Well, no, the nicer thing would be for the compliant in that dynamic to say, to help the controlling person understand that they're controlling and your boundary might help them come to a realization about themselves that they don't like or they don't want. They might be totally clueless about how they bulldoze you. And if you don't say, hey, this isn't working for me enough and draw a boundary, then your friend may never know that they're a bulldozer and a controller. Yeah, and here's the reality. It's probably going to take the compliant to speak up because Mm -hmm. it's more likely that the compliant person is the one that really has the self-awareness now. It would be almost miraculous for the aggressive person. I guess it could happen. You might be listening to this right now and saying, oh my, I am aggressive. I think I bulldoze my friend. So that's great. Look, if you're the aggressive person listening to this podcast, awesome. You can have the conversation. You can go to your friend and say, I am so sorry that I, I've bulldozed you. I think I'm aggra- I think I'm the aggressive controller. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's just your personality. AJ, our son is, is an aggre- is he's a kind of an aggressive controller. We've helped him over the years to recognize that about himself. 
and we've helped parent him through that. But some of the adults listening to this podcast right now maybe never even knew that about themselves. Now they're realizing that. So look, if that's you, awesome. Go to go to the person that you've been controlling and and confess it, admit it, apologize, and say, help me to be better about this. I need you to speak up more. Please speak up more. Please let's have a, like a hand signal when I'm being aggressive and controlling. <laughs> like, like I give you permission to help me to be a better friend because I don't want to be that way. I don't want you to resent me. So look, that'd be wonderful if we have the aggressive person listening right now coming to this place of awareness. But more, more, a more likely scenario is that the compliant person is listening to this saying, oh boy, yes, I have a dynamic like that. Now, I think it's a little harder for the compliant person to step in because you're compliant, but you really need to, right, Tracy? The compliant person needs to, if the aggressive person won't come to this realization, the compliant person has to, really, it's a, it's like a, it's a new, it's a new negotiation for a different kind of friendship, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that that's where it takes bravery and kindness for the sake of the friendship, to be honest, and to just say this dynamic isn't working for me, or I feel I feel like every time we get together, it's always what you want to do. And I, and I feel like sometimes you don't hear what I want to do. And I, I would like that to change. And, and there are some cases where maybe the controlling person isn't going to agree with your assessment. And so that might mean that the friendship does change over time. But, but you being aware of that dynamic, recognizing that internal angst in you, a frustration and resentment and anger that it's like, oh my gosh, it's always their way. Try drawing the boundary first and bringing that to your friend in a kind way and hope to save the friendship and save the dynamic, right? Like you said, renegotiate the way your friendship works um, and give them a chance to make that adjustment. But then sometimes it might mean that that friendship maybe is just more a little bit more distanced if they just can't ever honor the boundary you've tried to draw. Well, yeah, it's a, it really is. A, it becomes a test for the friendship. You know, mm -hmm. so if the compliant person is listening, saying, I'm afraid to do that because I'm afraid I'm going to lose a friend, I would say, well, maybe it's not a friend. Maybe that's not really yeah. a friend if that friend isn't going to listen to you and your needs and how, if they're not going to admit that they tend to railroad you. I mean, if it's a true friend, they're going to say, I'm so sorry. I did not realize that. In fact, maybe a, a good way to approach this conversation is to share this podcast with your friend, whether you're the controlling person or the compliant person. Say, hey, give this a listen and tell me what you think of the four things in this podcast. Tell me which one you think describes our relationship. It'll be interesting to see if they pick this one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they will. And maybe that maybe that's, you know, so much of this is 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 kind of Self-awareness, we talk about this a lot with emotions and relationships. Self-awareness is so important. How do you bring self-awareness to somebody? Sometimes that's a difficult thing because if you come at them with guns blazing, fingers pointing, then they're going to be on the defensive and they're not going to be sort of receptive to what to the message that you're bringing. But if you're saying, look, you're a friend of mine and I value this friendship. I love you. I want this friendship to go the distance. So I, but I think we might have a problem. I think we might have an issue here. Really, that's that's true for all of these. Is to, you know, the best friendships will survive this conversation. The best friendships are going to say, "Man, this was so helpful. I'm so grateful that we identified which one of these dynamics we have in our relationship that could have been a relationship killer, 
and and then you make the adjustments and you move forward and you have a you have a lifelong friendship. Well, and I think that's something to think about as we transition maybe to how we could coach our kids, because if you're modeling for your kids that you're talking to your spouse and complaining about this controlling friend you have, like, oh my gosh, it's always their way and it's so annoying and blah, blah, blah. Like, what are you, what are you modeling for your kids? Like with AJ being a stronger personality and natural leader, what we needed to shape in him is, Hey buddy, you know what? That's great that you always have an idea of the game you want to play, but so-and-so also probably has an idea of a game they want to play. So next time so-and-so comes over, rather than you being the bulldozer and controller saying, this is what we're playing, this is how you play it, you let the other person suggest the game first. Let them go first. Let them make the suggestion, play what they want to play first, then you get a turn. Teaching our kids that, again, just like the compliant compliant, it's not that you can't have an opinion, it's not that you can't assert yourself, but we have to recognize then in a friendship, there's other people involved and their feelings matter and their opinions matter. So how do you work those two things together and give room for each person to express themselves and to have their opinions heard and, you know, with our kids that they can play and be kind and also just modeling for our kids, like how to identify a good friend versus a not good friend. Like you're saying as an adult there, you might have a friend that you're forcing the friendship because maybe you like the social standing it gives you or something. And so you put up with their bad behavior and you're never drawing boundaries. But is that, a, like you said, is that a true friend? If you were to go to them and say, hey, this is kind of hurtful to me. I feel like you never hear my opinion. Is that a true friend? And what are we teaching our kids? Like for both of our kids, you know, in every dynamic, especially in junior high, you have kind of the mean the mean girl or the mean boy that kind of controls the dynamic. Okay, well, what we were teaching our kids is, what does it mean to be a good friend? And and so we want to spend time with the people that care about you, that would listen to you, that would be kind to you, that would share with you. So that's all part of these boundaries that as adults, we might find ourselves in a situation where we have a controlling friend and we quietly resent them. Well, the better thing would be for you to give them a chance to be a better friend. And if they don't respond well, then maybe that's just not a friendship you need to be pursuing just like we would want to teach our kids. Like you don't have to be friends, best friends or good friends with everyone. You can be kind to everyone, but not everyone's going to be the best friend to you. Yeah. And so, you know, parents, I think it's good to audit your kids' friendships. Think about your kids' two or three best friends and really put it through the grid. And, and I think that if you realize that you have a kid who's compliant and they have a friend who's controlling and aggressive, you're feeling that resentment and that anger before your kid is. And so help your child to, you know, kind of read your child into this dynamic, help them, you know, it's got to be age appropriate, maybe you can use these words. But maybe you have to use words that they'll understand a little bit better, but help them to understand that that they're that they need to not be railroaded, help them to understand that um, that they need to set these boundaries. You might, depending on their age, you might need to be a part of the conversation potentially. Maybe you need to help them have the conversation with their, with their friend. But I think it's important for you not to just like overreact and say, you need to stop hanging out with this kid because he's a bully. You know, and I think that's, that's probably what the parent of the compliant kid might be tempted to do. And then I think you miss a teaching moment. Now it might come to that, but but you're helping your child make that decision rather than you're making the decision for your kid. Now your kid resents you 
you know, because that that was their friend. I think it, you real parents, you need to make this a teaching moment. But I think maybe the tougher situation, Tracy, is the parent whose kid is the controlling, aggressive bully. Because I think, yeah, let me just speak this to parents for a second. Tracy, you can add to this. But I think we've seen this in years of of talking with parents and helping parents through things like this. I think parents whose kids are bullies, you tend to make excuses for your kid. And you don't, a lot of times you're not willing to admit that they're the bully. That's a problem. Parents, if you're mm-hmm. not willing to really call this out in your kid to say, son, you you can be controlling and aggressive and we're going to help you with this because this isn't going to be good for you in the long run with your friendships. Yeah. I mean, when our kids were younger, I would be in earshot. I would just kind of check in on things and listen to what the conversations were, how they were acting, playing the game. Or if you start to hear them arguing in the front yard about some game they're playing, like I was listening and there were times that I had to go out there. And in a moment I had to say, Hey, you know what guys, let's, let's slow down for a second. And sometimes it was me having to call out our own kid and be like, now, hold on a second. So-and-so it's their turn. They're going to, so you're, it's, it's a, it's a teaching moment in the moment while the dynamics happening. And like you said, Brian, maybe the, maybe the language isn't the same that we're using speaking to adults, but you can still model like, Hey, we're not going to railroad our friend. You don't get to decide every game that's played every time so-and-so comes over, they get a turn as well. And kind of introducing that and creating that, those opportunities as a teaching moment for our kids. Yeah, and I, I want to encourage parents right now because you can be defensive of your kids. The, these are not character flaws. These these are they can become character flaws, but this isn't like a temperament that kids have. You know, I mean, they're for the most part. This is just kind of how they're built. It's not a bad thing, but we need to be aware. We need to help our. We need to be aware of it in our kids so that we can help our kids be aware of it. So again, we, you know, our daughter is compliant and our son is kind of more naturally controlling and aggressive. And those aren't bad traits, but we, we've helped both of our kids through the years. We've sort of shepherded them through that so, that so that they're aware of that in them. They're aware of the pitfalls of those traits. They're aware of, the, of the, really the positive aspects of those traits. And, and both of our kids, I want to assure parents, both of our kids now in their 20s are healthy, functioning. They've got great friendships. They're not perfect. Nobody's ever perfect. But they've got great friendships because they, they're aware of these things in their, in their personality, in their temperaments. And I think they're really trying to sort of take ownership of those traits for themselves. That's the goal, right? We're trying to help our kids to own their own choices, their own, you know, friendships and to, and really to be healthy and to be able to set their own boundaries. So parents, you have to help with that. The the sooner, the better. So Tracy, that was the compliance plus controlling dynamic. And that one was one of the most obvious dynamics. The next one is related to it, but it's a lot less obvious. This maybe is a little bit tough, tougher to identify. Mm -hmm. And it's the compliant person plus the manipulative controller. So the aggressive controller is different than the the manipulative controller. Walk us through that. Yeah. So the, the manipulative controller is kind of that person that's maybe a fly by the seat of their pants or not very responsible or, or maybe have a little bit more of a toxic things to their temperament where their emotional barometer, they're, they're controlling you by their 
need for you, or there are like emotional crisis that they always seem to find themselves in, or they didn't plan ahead and they need you to rescue them from something. Or I, I, oh man, I, you know, I forgot to find childcare and I have to go to this meeting. Can you come babysit or whatever? Like you're always in this position of feeling like you're being called on in a crisis and you're having to rescue your, your friend. And it just, again, is a dynamic that you feel like you're at their mercy. They kind of control the friendship by their emergency. They're, they're always in crisis mode for some reason. Yeah. This one to me, Tracy is, I don't know, maybe this just shows, shows some of my hangups, but this one is the most, um, evil of the four dynamics. Maybe that, maybe I shouldn't Mm. use that word, but I, the manipulative controller, this is the one that I think I have the strongest reaction against because the aggressive controller, a lot of times that's, that's, that's just something, and maybe they're short tempered or whatever, or that's just something, their personality. But when, when we see this in people, when I see this in people, Tracy, this is the one that I react the most to. Like ma- manipulation seems more subversive. It seems more, um, more sort of pre-planned. I guess when I think of the aggressive controller, I think of someone who is, it's not premeditated necessarily. When I think of a manipulative controller, sometimes that's, that's how it comes across to me is, you know what you're doing. You know that you're manipulating so maybe you need to talk me off the ledge here a little bit, but I know some of our listeners are probably feeling the exact same way. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to be gracious. I, I, again, I think when I think of this particular dynamic, I had this dynamic with a friend in college and I don't think she recognized her unhealthiness this way. I think she was raised in a family where her needs were never met. And so she learned to use emotion, crying crisis with relationships to kind of get attention on her. And so she learned to do that over time. And so the way it played out for me is then she was always in crisis. Like, you know, oh, my parents called and this is going on or my boyfriend this or this friend that. And I was always having to kind of come to her rescue to talk her off the ledge kind of, and what, what might she do if, you know, because she would be so emotionally charged about something and she was always the victim of whatever the situation was. And so maybe for some people out there, me describing this dynamic makes more sense about what a manipulative controller looks like that in that friendship, it was never about what I needed or how I was feeling or what I might be going through. It was always her crisis. It was always what I needed to do to help her in her situation. And over time, that became exhausting to me. And this is where I took me a while to realize I needed to draw some boundaries. I needed to be honest and say like, Hey, listen, I love you, but I just feel like this friendship is too heavy for me. I can't, I'm not a counselor. I can't be that, you know, maybe you need to go talk to someone, but I just feel like this friendship gets really one-sided and I just had to create some distance with that person over time. So maybe that's what people need to hear. Cause you know, there are some people too, that because of their lack of plan, they're always calling on you to come to their rescue, whether it's with their kids or financially or whatever. And it just kind of feels a little bit like you're at their beck and call, I guess would be the way they control you is they're, they're always in some situation that requires help from you. And over time you might become resentful of that. And that's where you might need to say again, like the controlling that's more overt and clear 
the bulldozer is to say, this dynamic just doesn't work for me. I don't want to feel like I'm always on call for your crisis. So, you know, with the, the previous dynamic, the aggressive controller, I was really hopeful about that one. What, how you just described that sounds a little bit less hopeful. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like the, it's, it's one thing to say to the aggressive controller to say, I feel like you're controlling me by, by just bulldozing me and overpowering me. That's, that's hard to hear, but it's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I, but how would you say that to a manipulative control? I feel like you're controlling, you're manipulating me. I feel like you're, you, you know, mm-hmm. the way you, the way you're always so victimy and you're so, it's really a vulnerable narcissist, isn't it? It's, it's mm-hmm. so, it's harder to call someone a vulnerable narcissist, I think, than to just call them a narcissist. It's because it's like impugning their motives a little bit, right? So is there any hope for rescuing or for saving this kind of relationship? Yeah, I mean, I think there can be, but I agree with you that this one, there's probably more chance that there's some deeper rooted things going on in the other person. So they may or may not be receptive to your feedback. But at the end of the day, as we've talked about in the 10 laws of boundaries, your responsibility isn't about what they conclude about themselves. This is about what you can do to control how their personality or their toxic ways or their manipulative controlling affects you. And so again, just like with the more overt bulldozer to just say, Hey, listen, I care about you and I love you, but I just feel like this friendship get is feels very one-sided and I, I want more of a give and a take. And there's times that I've needed some things from you and I feel like I can't really ask you because you've got all these other things. So I don't want to pile on. So you, you, it's still a, a boundary that needs to be drawn because it would be more loving for you to be honest than to just kind of cut the person off entirely. And then they're like, what happened to you? I mean, that's, that's not kind either. So even though this one's a little bit more complicated, it still requires, if you want to have a healthy relationship to at least draw the boundary, bring it to their attention, give them a chance to respond. Yeah. When I think about the manipulative controllers in my life and I've had a few just like you have I don't have relationship with any of them anymore cuz cuz and and maybe that's part of what the listener needs to understand is this relationship maybe needs to change um because in in a lot of cases they might just need help they might need potentially even professional help but at the very least um for you to be able to identify that articulate that in love and and then really to protect yourself from a relate if they if they don't get the help that they need if they're unwilling to change that's really not on you and i, I know that's hard because you're probably it's over time tracy it's less that you want to hang out with them it's just that you feel bad you're compliant right and you've got a good heart toward them and you just and, and the other thing is you're like are you going to have any friends? If I draw a boundary, mm-hmm. are you going to have any friends? Maybe not. So it, it's easy. I think it's easy to get sucked into a long-term relationship with a manipulative controller if you're a kind-hearted person, but really count the cost because it's probably not worth it. And Tracy, maybe let's talk about it mm-hmm. for, for our kids because this is the one that mm-hmm. parents, if you recognize this dynamic, and again, maybe now you have words for it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is exact. I didn't have words for it, but this is exactly the angst that I'm feeling for my child because they're in a relationship with a manipulative controller. What, what should they do? Yeah. Again, I mean, I just think you're training as you go. Like this is what, this is what a healthy friendship looks like, that there's some give and take. And it seems like so-and-so maybe 
you, you can only do your part in the friendship and it's okay if you want to say, you know what, I don't want to play with so-and-so today because it's always so dramatic. That's okay. I mean, that's, what's hard. That's all part of it is that every relationship isn't going to be perfect. Every relationship isn't necessarily going to work out, but to give your kids room to say, it's okay for you to draw a boundary and say, that's, that's not, I can be kind to this person and in what ways can we be kind and when could we be a friend? You know, maybe we could say I could hang out with so-and-so maybe once every couple months or something, you know, I'm not going to cut them out entirely, but I'm not going to take on the role of being their best friend because no one else will do it. You know, again, that's, that's what's hard about relationships, but for your, for what we're teaching our kids, it's not to just be the doormat. It's not just to take on somebody else's problems, even though we're not equipped to handle it. So teaching your kids to know what's theirs to own, what's not theirs to own, who, who might they need to direct this person towards an adult, their parents, a teacher, if they've got some heavy stuff going on and they, your 12 year old's like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. I remember Kenzie when, or Tracy, when our daughter Kenzie, I want to say she was going into junior high, which is really important time. And so that, you know, they, you're connecting with new kids from other grade schools, right? So that's really a formative time when you're connecting. And I so appreciate that you were paying attention to the friendships that Kenzie was developing at that time, because it's so critical. Parents pay attention to that. Like when you start grade school, when you start junior high, when you start high school, it's kind of like moving. It's you're, 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 you're forming new friendships. It's kind of like the chips are, are all up in the air. We're going to see where they're going to land here in the next couple of months. And so be, be paying attention, especially in those times. But Tracy, I, I remember that Kenzie started to really be close with a friend from another grade school and you picked up on it right away. Maybe talk us through this for parents listening. You picked up on it right away that this person was, was probably a manipulative controller. She was a victim-y person. And so walk us through how you helped Kenzie with that. Well, what we realized is that there was a lot of drama around this person and the dynamics that she created with some of the friends from her elementary. Now they're coming into this junior high. And so Kenzie is a compliant, you know, this girl kind of latched on to Kenzie because she didn't really have other friends. She had kind of ruined those relationships. So what I had to say to Ken's is like, Hey, let's, let's be careful that you don't just get latched onto this person. And now you guys are like these besties. And now you're alienated yourself from other people because they don't want to be friends with her. How do we, how can we be kind and be a friend to her, but not let her control you by dominating your time and only wanting to spend time with her. So, I mean, we had some hard conversations about it and I just had to kind of say, Ken's, we're also gonna, you're also, you're not going to spend every weekend with, with just this girl. And over time it kind of worked itself out. And I think Kenzie ended up realizing that that, that girl was not a great friend of Kenzie because it wasn't really about what Kenzie needed. It was only about what she could get from Kenzie. And over time, Kenzie learned that, but I had to kind of help create awareness to that dynamic and not let Ken's get sucked into something that wasn't going to be healthy for her long-term and, and could have pigeonholed her or removed her from making other friendships because of the connection to just the one girl. Kenzie did not agree with you. Yeah. You know, Kenzie pushed back a little bit at first because it felt judgmental. It felt m maybe mean. And mm -hmm. so 
again, parents, you need to hear this because I, I can relate to parents who hear that story and say, oh my gosh, that I've never had a conversation like that with my kids. How would I even do that? I relate to you parents because Tracy, I'm so grateful that you were, I even thought at the time, I'm like, you're making too big of a deal of this, Tracy. It's not that big of a deal. But I look back on it, as does Kenzie, and I realize, man, you might have just saved Kenzie from years of heartache, honestly, years of heartache. It was hard at first. Kenzie didn't fully understand, just like I didn't fully understand the dynamics. But now I think if I would have listened to this podcast before that, or if during that time, so so parents, if you're working through this, and maybe maybe one of you gets it and the other one doesn't, talk through this topic, listen to this podcast together, hit pause, have the conversations you need to have so that you can get on the same page. Because I, I really am grateful, as is Kenzie, that Tracy, you helped to draw the line in that controlling plus the compliant potential friendship. And at, at the end of the day, Kenzie didn't have to be mean to the girl, but she drew some boundaries and the girl kind of went on looking for somebody else because, because right. the controlling person is probably not going to stick it out. If they're not willing to change their ways, whether they're manipulative or aggressive, that controlling person is not going to hang, hang in that friendship. So it's not like you have to be, the compliant person probably doesn't have to be the mean person. The controller, if that's not a real friend, the controller is going to go try to victimize somebody else. And so keep that in mind if you're compliant or parents, if you know that your kids are compliant, help them through this because man, it really helps them to set boundaries in friendships. Okay, so Tracy, we've talked about the compliant plus compliant dynamic. We've talked about the compliant plus the controlling aggressive dynamic and the compliant plus the controlling manipulative dynamic. There's one more dynamic that we need to talk about. And this is when there's a compliant person with a non-responsive person. Walk us through that. Well, this is the friend that you might feel like you're always the one that's calling them. You're always the one that make it, makes the plans. You're the one that makes the friendship work. If any connection happened and happens, it's because you're initiating it. And the other person is like, usually happy to oblige and they'll respond to me and respond to me like, sure. But it just feels like you do all the work in the friendship. And that again, can be very frustrating. And over time, the compliant person might be like, you know what? I feel like maybe this person doesn't even want to be my friend that might be a good conversation to have, to be honest and draw the boundary and say, you know what? I just feel like maybe I work harder for our friendship. Is that true? I mean, do you just not have time? Am I more demanding? Do I want more time with you than you want with me? Um, again, it's okay for you to say like, I want a friendship where there's give and take, where, where we're both working at the friendship that, that you initiate with me sometimes and I'm initiating with you and Again, it's just one of those dynamics. Now, the non-responsive person may their response back might be like, "Yeah, you kind of overwhelm me, and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to have an expectation that we hang out every weekend or every month." That okay, you'll have to receive that message. But the compliant with the non-responsive, if you just keep running on that hamster wheel, like like trying to keep connection with this person and they're not ever really giving you what you need, then that might be another conversation you need to have or ever say, is this really a friendship? Tracy, how, if, speak to the parents for a second. If they see this with kids, because it's easy as parents to be confused about this. Your kid's not controlling. Your kid's not aggressive. Your kid is compliant, but they still find themselves in the kind of in the always initiating seat, they're always initiating and this other kid um, just is never responding. I mean, how do you coach 
your compliant child through something like that? That's the first question. And then what if you realize that your kid's the non-responsive one? Talk us through both of those scenarios. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think of an example with AJ, one of his little buddies, like, I mean, he just really wanted to be this kid's friend. And he, the other kid would like sometimes come over and hang out and other times he wouldn't respond, but he never initiated with AJ. And so over time, we just had to have conversations, be like, you know what, buddy, that's okay. Maybe he's got other things going on, or maybe he doesn't like you as much as you like him. That, that happens sometimes. Let's, let's find the friends that, that do want to respond because they are out there. Right. So we just had to kind of redirect his attention. What I would say to the ones, if you're the non-responsive, what I would say is, why are, why are you non-responsive? The more loving thing would be to be honest with someone, even though it seems like it might hurt in the moment, than to just never return their call. Or every time they text you, you never respond. Or every time they made a phone call, you would just decline it and never return the call. Like that, that's just kind of avoiding the person. Like, it's okay for you to say, you know what, I can't, I'm so sorry, or, or, you know, it, it also might be one of those conversations of coaching your kid through like, how do, how do, how can I be honest with this person that I don't really have that much in common with them? That's just hard. I mean, that's not easy. I'm not saying this to say that's easy, but if your kid is the non-responsive, have conversations about why are you avoiding this person? Why don't you ever respond or want to go hang out at their house? Like maybe there's some reasons or maybe it's just, honey, it's okay. If that person isn't really someone you have a ton in common with and they want to game and you don't care about video games and want to be playing sports or whatever, that's okay. But let's, let's be honest with the person and just say, Hey, you know what? Um, that's just not as fun to me. I don't think we have that much in common. What if your kid is non-responsive because they're an extreme introvert or they have social anxiety or they just like to sit in the room and play video games all day? Right, because that's a dynamic these days. That's yeah. That's for real. That's a little bit different than a than a like a relational dynamic where the your non-responsive kid just doesn't want to be friends with this other kid because they yeah. have their other friends. How would you coach a parent through that situation? Yeah, I mean, I do think our kids need to be pushed in some ways. So you know, our daughter was more of a she didn't have a need for as much social, and especially in like junior high when it's like big groups of kids were hanging out, like that was kind of overwhelming to her. So what we just had to say is, okay, well, that's okay. If, you know, let's have you, you could go do that every once in a while, but what are some things that are more fun to you? It was more one-on-one or one-on-two. So then we just created play dates and opportunities and go to the movies, or I just kind of helped her facilitate some of those things that were more comfortable, but the answer wasn't, you don't like doing that, so you never do it, and you just sit at home. I just think our kids need to be coached. They need to learn how to operate in their world, even if they're less extroverted, more introverted, whatever you want to say. They still have to learn how to operate in the world when they go out as adults and they're working and dealing with different personalities. We got to coach them through it. So with our kids, we just had to kind of push them in certain ways, but we also looked for opportunities that were safer or more comfortable for them and, and got them into those situations. Now, I noticed, Tracy, that each of these four dynamics with friendships involved a compliant person, compliant with compliant, compliant with controlling aggressive, compliant with controlling manipulative, and then compliant with the non-responsive. Why are we not talking about the relationships where there's two controlling people connecting to each other (laughs) or two non-responsive people connecting to each other. Well, like you said, I mean, controllers, 
they're not going to, they don't want to be controlled. They want to control. So those friendships just, just don't work. Like there's nothing fun about it because you're competing for the same thing. So, you know, friendships work in balance, right? And so that's where the compliant has to be careful that you might be overcompensating for the toxic piece or the controlling piece in the other person to make the friendship work, but it might be at your own expense. Whereas controllers, like they're, they're not, that's not going to be a friendship that has any interest in them if they're competing for the same thing. So that's why the compliant just needs to be aware. Like if that's your personality, why are you always giving in or why are you never stating your opinion or why are you forcing a friendship? Maybe that the, somebody else is never responding to draw appropriate boundaries. It's okay for you to speak up. It's okay for you to say this doesn't work for me. And it's okay to say, you know what, maybe I just need to move on. So those are the four boundary dynamics in friendships. Again, we encourage you, share this episode with your friends. If you feel like, man, we need to have this conversation to get our friendship to the next level, share this episode. You can find discussion questions to help that conversation along online. Just look for our boundary series. And I hope that those friendships can get to the next level. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.